my uh, um, uh, story that I've got with uh, kind of along that lines uh, is what Jack was telling earlier. Uh, when we we bought our first house in Texas, uh, Nicole really liked like picket fences, white picket fences, and we, we had an HOA that didn't let us do white picket fences, so, so she picked out a wall and wanted to do a white picket fence on that wall, you know, just a just little, little project. You know, most of the stuff that you, that you uh, hang on your wall is up high, right? Pictures and stuff, and so you just nail without, you know, thinking and, 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 and things like that. And so we were uh, putting this white picket fence up on this wall, just, you know, nailing the, the pickets up and, and everything. And then I, I, I nailed, and like something didn't sound right when I nailed. And so, you know, you put white picket fences where? Not up high. You put them down low, right? Because fences are, they don't levitate. Why, why, you know, fences don't levitate. And so um, on the other side of this particular wall was um, our, our bathroom sink. So when I took the nail out, guess what I got? Sprayed. Yeah, and so, yeah, I burst the sink pipe in the wall. So um, those of you that want to hang things low on your walls, make sure of, you know, no sinks behind them and everything. There was a moral to that story. Uh, so we are in Deuteronomy 6, this building blocks uh, series that we're in. Uh, this entire year, we're taking a look at what is the church? What is church and what's it all about? And so we've looked at the vision, we've looked at the mission of church, and now we're taking a look at the building blocks of the church, which is the family. And, and, and Deuteronomy 6, God gives Moses and God gives his people as they are on the cusp of going into the promised land. Really, the entire book of Deuteronomy is God and Moses' pregame talk to the Israelites before they go in and take the land. All right? And so Deuteronomy 6 is actually God's discipleship plan for his people. How are you going to pass this stuff down to the next generation? And last week, Paul brought the thunder. You know, speaking of that, though, speaking of that, you know, I, I told you the next time I'm gone, you've got the next sermon. Sorry, bro, taking it back. Miller's got it. Uh, Miller's got it. He's all taken care of. So, so yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, and, and so brought the thunder last week about follow the rules. And the, that he, in, in Deuteronomy 5, God laid out the Ten Commandments again. And, and, and Moses, God through Moses, is saying, guys, just follow these. But instead of like, you know, in, inside of our heart, like the flesh that, 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 that rages within says, no, you don't need those. You know, all God cares about is him and all God cares about is, is, is taking away all kinds of fun from you. But John 15, Jesus says, my commands are for your joy and for your freedom. Freedom, you know, that, but that was last, last series. Uh, and so, um, uh, and, and so Paul talked to us about that, or Paul, or Paul talked to us about that uh, last week. I just feel like in church you have to distinguish that we have a Paul and the Bible has a Paul and you've got to distinguish those. <clears throat> so this week, this week, God continues, God continues in Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse 4, the, the, the passage that's known as the Shema, uh, uh, 4 through 9. And that's where we're going to look today. You can follow on Hardbound Bible. If you've got a tablet or smartphone, I encourage you to download the uh, Bible app, version app, 
uh, in your um, whatever store you got there on the appropriate uh, phone or tablet, and you can find an event there in the Bible app that you can follow along with. Take your own notes. Kind of gotten rid of the points. Allows you to think more through the sermon. <gasps> like thinking church. I'm sorry. I know it's early and etc. But you know, uh, put down notes. You can type in notes. Also, I encourage you to share on, on on social media what God is sharing with you and showing you uh, through this time. Um, so, chapter six, verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And initially, I was going to blow by that verse. Be like, yeah, God's one. Yeah, God's one. We all know that, right? God's one. God's one. God's one. And just keep on trucking. But then I thought what this would mean to the people that were hearing this at this point in time. They had been wandering through the desert for 40 years. And and they they left Egypt, which was a culture where everything was a God. Pharaoh was a God. The sun was a God. The Nile River was a God. Cows were a God. Frogs were a God. Like, I understand cows, but frogs, what's going on there? Some of you, cows are maybe too much of a God, but that's a separate sermon. Tough crowd. Maybe that just stepped on too many toes this morning. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but, but then they went through lands where, where everything were a God, was a God to, to, to the people. And they were going to enter into a land where everything was a God. And when everything is a God, and when you have multiple gods, even when you, if you just have two gods, you then have to make a choice. Which God takes priority? Think how freeing this verse is. If you've got multiple gods. Right? You don't have to decide. You don't have to get a priority list. There's just one God. There's just one God. And think about this. Think about this. As we go into the next verse, how huge is this next verse if there's only one God in our lives. 6-5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. If there's only one God in your life, you don't have to make a priority list. And guess what? You can love with all. Right? Bless you. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Just figure we'd go ahead and take a pause and acknowledge that. So, all your brothers out there with one wife, all of you out there that have one wife, right? Isn't it easier to love your wife with all your heart since you have only one wife? Yeah, right? Yeah. Guys, I'm trying to lob this up there for you. Like, come on. Come on. Yeah, right? Jeez. Help me out here a little bit. Same thing as with gods. You're like, ah, we don't have idols. I don't have idols set up. I don't have little stone statues and clay statues and gold statues set up. I don't have to worry about this. But we have idols. Sex idols? Addiction idols? Image idols? Fame idols? Work idols? Money idols? I think an idol for, for a lot of us in this church is isolation idol. I'm good on my own. I don't need anybody else. 
We have all kinds of idols. And when we have more than one idol, more than one God, we have to decide which one takes priority because they will conflict with each other. Which one takes priority? And you know what? It's exhausting. It's exhausting. You know what's free? You know what's free? One God. One God that you love with all your heart, soul, and strength. So what's behind those words? What's behind those words? Heart, soul, and strength. Heart and soul, essentially, both of them talk about the seat of passion, the seat of emotion, the seat of desire. But how they're different is that heart deals a little bit more with the mind, and soul is the same word as breath. So with what excites your mind, love God with all of that. With what excites your life, what gives you life, love God with all of that. And guess what? If it excites our mind, and if it excites our soul, our inner being, guess what we're going to do? We're going to love that with all of our might, right? Loving, loving, loving God with all of our might means whatever excites our minds of him and, and it excites our souls from, for, for, for him, we're going to do that, right? Look, maybe you used to like messages and churches and stuff that sin is like stuff that God doesn't want you to do ever. No. Everything that we can use to sin against God is a gift of God given to us. We just simply take the gift and make it a God. Let's take the easy one. Sex, right? God doesn't say never have sex. God says inside the bounds of marriage, it is free. It's joyful. And outside, it brings strife, and death, and darkness, and confusion, and unrest. See, that's what gods are. We take a gift of God, and we make it a god. And so what he wants to do is instead of these gifts of him, money, it's another gift of God. He doesn't want us to not have it. But what happens when we make it a God? We become a slave to it. When we take these gifts, and instead of putting our mind energy and our soul energy that, 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 that releases itself into doing energy, into that gift as a God, and we give that over to God and love God with our mind energy, our soul, our inner life energy, and, 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 and our doing energy. When we love God with those, guess what he gives us? Gifts. Gifts. Right? And look, look what happens. Look what happens. Look what happens when we, in our language, hear and follow him because we love God. Look what happens. Verse 6, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Really what that should, there should be another word. And then these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. See, what, he's, what, 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 what Moses is saying here is that when you love God, God in your heart, in that seat of emotion, desire, passion, will write his commands on your heart. So Paul talked to, talked to us and preached to us about his commands. He brought the thunder last week. Sorry, Paul. Because really, essentially, what Moses is saying, you know those commands? Forget them. Just love God. 
Sorry, he, I, got, I, I let him be bad cop so I can come along and be good cop, you know? That's, that's awesome, right? That's awesome. Sorry. Sorry, Paul. He's really going to give it to Miller next time, right? <coughs> Let's see. Ezekiel 36, which is in your study notes, is, is another scripture to study later on this week. Ezekiel 36 affirms this and takes it and expands it. And then John chapter 3, you know, when Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, you know, the first original Nick at night, right? Ah. At least I got a reaction that time. Jeez, right? And Nicodemus was asking Jesus some questions. And Jesus didn't answer his questions, but answered his own question, which Jesus was the original politician. But anyway, right, right, that's what, anyway. And he said, and he said, look, 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 you must be born again. To which, to which Nicodemus got a really bad mental picture. Like, I, how do you do that? And B, I don't want to do that. And ultimately, ultimately Jesus says, you're a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things. Why? 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 Because Jesus is going, Deuteronomy 6, Ezekiel 36. This is plainly here that when you love God, when you love God, I'm going to write the commands on your heart. Now, I, I, I said that earlier to, to, to about Paul in the sermon last week to, 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 to be a little bit facetious, but we don't forget his commands. We just, he gives us his commands as this is what I'm writing on your heart. So then as you live your life, this is what I have placed in your seat of desire. So therefore, when you love me, this is what's going to come out. This is what's going to come out. You're like, wait a minute, isn't this supposed to be family discipleship and about, all about family discipleship and, 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 and such? Where's the family discipleship in this? You shall teach them diligently to your children. Now, them, when we read them, we, we, we think commands, right? I don't think that's really what that's meaning solely. Probably better read, you shall teach these things diligently to your children. All these things. That if we love God, He's going to write that on our hearts, write His commands on our hearts. Here's a question. Here's a question. Here's a question. Are we more interested with our kids in behavior modification than we are in them loving God? Do we want to teach them behavior modification or love for God? Because if we want to teach behavior modification first, what are we going to do? We're going to shove the commands right down their throat. I don't care if you love God or not. You're not going to embarrass, embarrass me by refusing to obey God's commands. Isn't that really what's behind it? I want you to become a nice, good, clean, moral, suburban citizen. I want you to grow up, have a nice job, a nice house, a nice spouse, a nice mouse, a nice louse, a nice zouse, and read Dr. Seuss to them. Is that what we really want if we want behavior modification? Or do we want them to love God? Because that's more messy. That's more messy. See, they could end up, if we teach them to love God, they could end up being the CEO with a nice house, a nice spouse, a nice louse, and a nice mouse. Or they could go 
to the deepest, darkest jungle of Africa to evangelize the lost, unreached people group. That's too messy, right? It's too dangerous. It's too much. Both callings are equal. Not one that's special over the other. See, because those of you that grew up CEOs to love God, what are they going to do for the Africa missionary? Pay for his way, her way, to get there. Right? Would we rather go for behavior modification or for the love of God? Look, this is a struggle with all of us, right? Struggle for all of us. As parents, in our selfish hearts that have to be beat back down by God, behavior modification makes us look good. Do we discipline towards behavior modification or do we discipline towards the love of God? Look, I'm not saying the discipline goes away. Oh, Johnny, I know you just, you know, murdered someone. Thank you for asking that question this morning, Paul. Uh, I, I know you just murdered someone, but just love God more. Look, you've you got to deal with stuff, right? But what is the end? The love of God or behavior modification? Look, I'm trying to figure out what it looks like to lead my kids to love God more. Instead of behavior modification, look, look, I get to worry about this for weeks before even you get to worry about this, right? Because I prepare. What does this look like? What does this look like inside my home? What does this look like for my four boys that there's a lot of behavior modification that needs to happen? Right? God's given it. What? Gideon? (laughs) Know my kids too well. God gives us. God gives us some instruction here. You should teach them diligently, and you shall talk of them, all these things, when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your head, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on the gates. Now, Rather than take this literally, which the Pharisees, the religious leaders in Jesus' day did take them literally, and Jesus kind of made fun of them for it, they literally had memory verse boxes on their forehead, and Jesus was like, no, it's not really what we meant with that. Um, the, whole, the, whole, the, the, the whole purpose of this is that all of these things, love of God and loving God and his commands and, and his word, permeates our life. When we sit in our house, are there times that you and your family sit in your house together? Busy suburban America? Maybe not. For my wife and I, that's why family dinner is so important. Sometimes we've got to eat at 4.30 because I've got to rush off to go, to go ref a soccer game. Or we, we eat at 7.30 because somebody's had a practice or something. But the benefits of sitting around the table together. Things of God don't always come up. We're not doing a Bible study. But we at least get to talk, right? 
to see what's going on. That doesn't happen every night, but the majority of nights. Or when you go on your way, as you're going to practice this, as you go into the stuff and go into school and go in here, go in there, and do you point out things that God is doing and that you are seeing the sunset or the sunrise, depending on when you're, when you're going, right? Or when something that you, that you, that you see kind of sticks out to you, are you talking of the love of God and how to love God through those circumstances that just kind of stick out to you? See, the nice thing about this passage is that God's not saying every night at 6 o'clock, in order to love me, you have to sit down and read the Bible together. Right? He's not saying that. And that's freeing. As you go about your life, just let it permeate your life. Both the commands of God, but more importantly, the love of God, and that we are to love God. See, really, another question that we should ask ourselves is this. Another kind of a kick in the gut question. Do we want to cap our kids' love for God? Do we want to cap our kids' love for God? Of course, every sane person that is sitting in church right now would say, of course not. You know what caps our kids' love for God? Our love for God. Statistically speaking, our kids will not love God more than we love God. Maybe two out of ten might love God more than their parents love God as they grow up. <clears throat> two out of ten. You want to place bets on that? Do you want to cap your child's love for God? I don't. I know this sure spurs me on to love God more. To love God more. And to pass that on. Because to pass on the love of God is really saying, child, Jesus has made a difference in my life. And I want you to to experience that same difference. See, we can force control around commands or feel like we have control around commands. Kid, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Come on, you were kids once. When you experienced that, what would you do? You'd change outwardly, but when that person wasn't watching, what would you do? Right? You did it. You can't force love for God. P.A., love God more! Doesn't that want you? That, that, you're just so excited to go do that, right? No, you can't force that. You can't force it. You have to teach it. And if you don't love God, you can't teach it. And if God has made no difference to your life, you can't love God, and you, therefore you can't Teach the love for God. So do we want to cap our children's love for God? For those of you that are like, ah, don't have kids. Kids are out. Or have never had kids. I shouldn't be having kids right now. So this doesn't apply. Look, 
The family is the building blocks for the church. God's Deuteronomy 6 is merely, uh, uh, it's, it's for the nuclear family, but it's applied to the extended family as well. Are you giving into somebody in that next generation? See, our kids and our students, they need six adults in their life who love them, know them, that know when they show up to church that this person, this adult, knows their name, cares for them, that they could tell them, look, I'm dealing with this, and they won't freak out. Six. Are you that for a kid? Are you that for a student? Are you that for somebody in the next generation? Again, this is something that God's kind of laid on my heart. Who am I for, 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 for like this, for the next generation? If we get this right, our kids are more likely to grow up, graduate, go out on their own, and love God. Love God. The good news is this. God said, love him with your heart. Not the person next to you heart. <clears throat> Not some spiritual giant's heart. I want you to love God with David's heart. Billy Graham's heart. No, your heart, where it is right now. Not the heart you want in five years. The heart you have right now. For some of you, for some of you, that may mean just simply coming back next week because you're just here checking this thing out. You don't know about God. You don't know about Jesus. You don't know about church. You're just, uh, something happened to bring you here. And look, Love God may, may mean come back next week. Love God may be to decide, I am going to love God. Now, it's time for me to decide to commit to love God. Some of you, it may be to get baptized. Some of you, it may be, it's time to serve. Love God through serving. Love God through, through, through coming together in a community, in a small group, in a discipleship relationship. Maybe it's to love God through giving. Maybe he's calling you into ministry. Be that missionary. Love God through taking those next steps. Love God with your heart. That's what God calls us to. Not somebody else's heart. Your heart. He's promised. He's promised. He's promised to write the commands on our seat of desire and emotion and passion. As we have a time of reflection, where's your love for God? Yes, all of us. All of us can grow. Where's your love for God? And what is He stirring within your heart and within your soul? about where your might is supposed to be. Let's pray. Man, Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. Work in our heart, work in our life, and allow us to see us grow in a love for you. Allow us to love you and who we are right now. It's in your name we pray. Amen.